Welcome everybody to See Through Panel, a comics podcast covering basically anything sequential art. Today I am here with Fahed. Hi guys, and we're joined today by John Swatcher. John is an artist and illustrator working both in traditional and digital media uh, with a passion for storytelling. His work has been used in video games, magazines, uh, private commissions, uh, but most often he creates comic books and graphic novels. Uh, John um, is uh, currently living in the southeast of England and he's uh, taking on freelance uh, commissions at the moment as well as um, teaching uh, courses in uh, art as well. Uh, Hi John, do you want to introduce yourself and say hello to, to everyone who is listening? Yeah, hi guys. I'm I'm John, and yeah, everything the headset is is right on the money. Um, I make comics and I teach art. Um, I've been teaching at universities for a few years, and um, I've got something quite exciting coming up soon. Um, this autumn, I'm going to start teaching a video game design at um, Christ uh, Canterbury Christchurch University. Uh, so oh, that's just, really exciting, dude! Congratulations, man. Ah, thank you, thank you. That's really awesome. What do you teach right now? Uh, so I've been doing a mix of things recently. I've been doing um, work as a technician teaching Adobe software um, for University for the Creative Arts. And I've been doing a lot of youth outreach as well around the southeast of England. Um, so basically been working in communities that are underrepresented in higher education. Um, so going into a lot of poor rural communities um, and trying to get kids prepared or comfortable or encouraged about the idea of going on to university. Um, so I teach a lot of art subjects and I'm, I try to gear them up for uh, creative fields in the university. Because um, believe it or not, that is one of the few industries that's actually growing in the United Kingdom right now. It's creative industries. Wow, really? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of a wider conversation about a lot of jobs traditionally done by human beings are going to be end up being automated. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, these creative uh, skills that... Um, I think are unique at the moment to human beings are going to be the, the ones that are going to be um, in demand really. So yeah, it's um, me and uh, me and John, it's a weird story of how, how me and John met. So um, uh, I replied to uh, an advert that John put up on a website called Gumtree, which is kind of like Craigslist here in the UK. And he was looking for um, a comic book strip to illustrate for his master's thesis I sent him over a, a script that I had written and we ended up kind of, um, he ended up selecting it and we ended up kind of, uh, uh publishing it, um, on Comixology. John's a, a really, a really talented artist. And, um, you know, when I met him, he was kind of experimenting with, uh, kind of what digital comics would do. Yeah. I was definitely trying to, trying to find my place as an artist at that point. And that, that project that we worked on together really helped me find my style and my, my identity as an illustrator. And um, yeah, Fahed's script was, I, I loved it. It was great. It was a huge relief reading it too, because a lot of people who responded to that ad responded with their like weird fetish comic strips. I was like, <laughs> no, what I was asking for, you know, I got to hand this in for my, this, you know, my coursework. I, I can't have any of that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. So we both kind of got um, a little bit of experience about what it takes to kind of, publish on comiXology and like the, the project we we published wasn't a massive financial success i think that the maximum we earned from it was like three pounds or something wasn't it john <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we we did have financial uh, success with a later project we worked. On. Yes, we did. So we are uh, we are uh, we also had a, uh, a project published in the Jeremy Corbyn comic anthology, which paid it paid all right for for you know for like a two page uh, strip. I think that was is decent money royalty we got from that. So yeah, yeah, I got royalty payments two years running. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um are you see so are you working on any interesting projects at the moment apart from the um your new job in are you working on any comic books or graphic novels or not really you know I was hoping to do something around lockdown and um I I just finished um a series of short comics I was posting up on social media about when I used to work in China um I called it Ping Budong and if anyone's interested they can find it on my website johnschwalker.com um uh, and yeah, I just published that. So I was going to try and do something similar. Um, just do real quick one shot comics about, you know, funny, awkward situations that happened during lockdown. Um, you know, all the oddities and our, our, the way our life has changed. Um, but I, I just couldn't, couldn't get to it. Um, I, I found focusing really strange and really, really difficult to do during lockdown. So I wasn't able to, to get to that project. Um, so now it's just prepping and getting ready for for the new job. And once I'm settled into that, I'll probably take a step back and and look at maybe some more comics or or illustrative stuff that I can get to. Yeah, I think both me and Cole were kind of like discussing it. Is it's really difficult to to focus at the moment, um, isn't it, Cole? Kind of like um, on uni- university work or whatever it is. It's it's just um, it's difficult. Yeah, there's a lot. It's been weird. So everything's kind of. Um off pace for me so all the all the different stuff i have to accomplish i i don't have the you know i don't have the will to do it all right now so um reading comics is easy though so that's pretty good yeah doing everything else has been kind of weird so i completely understand why you wouldn't want to start a new project in lockdown yeah um yeah it's 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 it's, it's kind of a a lot of people i'm following a lot of uh, comic books creators on twitter and some of them are really flourishing and finding interesting and uh, bold things to say, but a lot of them are really just struggling to, 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 to get anything started or get anything done. And both things are, are fine. If you're, if you're being productive, that's great. If you can't be productive, that's all, that's also cool. Um, cool. Should we start talking about, so the, uh, the comic book that we're going to be reviewing today, which is the, it's Lords of the Cosmos. Do you want to, um, to, uh, introduce it, Cole? Yeah. Awesome. So, Lords of the Cosmos, here's the rundown. A nod to the glorious mayhem of 1980s comics and cartoons, Lords of the Cosmos is the tale of the exotic planet Aiden, a planet lost to space and time. Here, all manner of escaped supervillains, heinous interdimensional demons, exiled Earth gods, and ancient bio-wizards struggle on a hostile world controlled by a sentient planet-wide machine. Uh, It was created and drawn by Jason Lennox and written by Dennis Fallon and Jason Palmatier. Um, I don't want to be the first one to talk about this. <laughs> okay, sure. So, um, yeah. So Lords of Cosmos, I think it's available on Etsy and, uh, Comixology. Um, and yes, it was kind of submitted to the podcasters as one that they, they wanted us to, to review. I'll, I'll start off, I guess, um, with the positive. I think the artwork uh, the just general world design is uh, pretty fantastic. I think the the character designs are great. I think he um, 
Jason Lennox, uh, his, the black and white style of, of the comic book, I think is, is uh, pretty fantastic. I really, so the reason why I chose this one, so I, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to take a little bit of heat for this. <laughs> the reason why I chose it, I looked at the art and I thought, wow, this looks like a really cool, cool comic book. Let me um, suggest it to Cole. And Cole looked at it and said, yeah, the, the art looks, artwork looks, looks great. So the artwork is top notch. It's fantastic. And um, the world itself as well, I think is, is quite, um, it's quite a bold, you know, bold choice of, the setting that he's chosen, the, the world building's done really well. What did you What did you think about the the art, John? Um, for for something that was created as a labor of love, I I thought there was, you know, a lot to respect in the artwork in there. That this wasn't, um, you know, somebody's full time thing. This is something they were doing in the evening. And there were there were a lot of areas where I thought the art was successful. I thought there was some nice clean line work in a lot of the stuff by Lennox and and Marin. Um, I think there were the two main artists on it. Uh, but I also had uh, a lot of criticisms about it too, being an artist. Um, I would say the the artwork that I liked the best in that comic was coming from Dave Newbold. Um, and he was doing a lot of stuff. With, he had more of like a free style of line work. So he was able to bring a lot more variety into the way he was, he was drawing. And so there was a lot more interesting textures. There was, a, I thought, a lot more um, subtlety and consistency between like foreground and background. Um, but a lot of the tight line work by, by Lennox and, and Marin, um, kind of, I, I felt like it kind of made things difficult for him because, uh, there was a lot of inconsistency between like where characters were, um, in, in relation to the space around them. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys, you guys chat for a minute, but while well, I think of specific examples. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you think about the, the artwork, Cole? Uh, it's interesting that he liked Newbold's best because I thought Newbold's was kind of the like the hardest for me to read because I got a bit lost. Which can you remind which story that is? Oh, is that a name matters? So in um in the first issue, that's Tales of the Night Sea. Okay, that's the the aquatic based one. I thought Lennox and uh man, how do you say this? Freestooler, Joe Freestooler. I I don't really know. I thought they were both really good. I mean, all the art was was pretty workable. I thought it was all successful. Um, I I'm going to be honest here. I only got through issue three, um, but I thought it was all quite successful. The thing that lost me was the writing. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but yeah, that is well, I mean, what, what I will say is whatever criticisms I have of the artwork, it did tell the story. Like I, I always knew what was going on. I can't, I can't knock it for that. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I, I, with kind of with, with the artwork, it's got very kind of this, what they were aiming to do with the artwork, I think they've done uh, in terms of they, they wanted to invoke um, this kind of He-Man um, meets Thundercats meets kind of heavy metal meets 2000 AD type of um, feeling with the character designs and the way the panels um are put together so i think they were successful in what they were aiming to do but yes in terms of the writing i think i thought when i when i read issue one they do something in issue one where they introduce all the the bad guy characters and i thought it was going to be 
more Over satirical. 20 pages, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like I'm, I'm counting out now. So it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pages of character introductions. Now, if it was kind of like they were doing like a, a satirical graphic novel, kind of like taking the taking the piss about these kind of like um, early 80s, uh, 1980s, 1990s comics because TV shows, these hero TV shows, that might have been fine, but it didn't really have that term. What did you, what did you guys think about that? That was a third. That was a third of the first issue, more than a third. Um, and I just started rolling my eyes at like the fourth page because it was just insane. But it was very reminiscent of like He-Man... G.I. Joe type of stuff, which is fun to a point. Uh, man, I I know I know it was it's not bad writing and it was deliberately deliberately done this way, but it's just not my style. And I uh, they basically had lost me before the roll call was over. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about it, John? Yeah, I, mean, I was reading it thinking, am I going to have to remember all this detail about all of these characters that's getting thrown at me right now in order to understand the story? And um, but a lot of the characters and the settings had quite fantastical names, so that was difficult to digest when you're getting so much of it thrown at you. And at that point in the story, I still had no emotional connection to anything that was going on. Um, so I wasn't really particularly invested in, in terms of learning who any of these bad guys were. But like you said, if I had thrown in a joke or, or a bit more comedy or satire or, or something like that, that probably could have kept me going um, along with it. Yeah, I think, um, so like having writing comics myself, kind of the one thing that's been kind of like drilled into my head time and time and time and time and time again, like a comic book space is limited real estate and you've got to be really intelligent about your shot selection um, what you, you know, how many words you put on the page, how many characters you introduce, um, because you, you, you've not got that much space. It's not, it's not a novel. It's not a, a film script. You've got to be, um, you've got to be tight with the writing. And this to me, the first eight pages just felt overindulgent, mm. kind of like, all right, we're just going to have fun with it. And I'm sure there's going to be readers out there that, got a real um giggle out of it or or, or they really uh, really loved the introduction but for me it was just kind of like well when's the story starting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree 100 percent. that was i almost i was kind of laughing a little bit at the start of the roll call and then slowly i was like oh no it's it's not really a joke i don't think <laughs> and uh and i think you guys are right i didn't think about it but if they would have made this more of not a parody, but a little bit more satirical. It could have been um, open to a lot more people, like a wider audience, because right now I think they just have, I don't know for sure, but I, I would assume they have the G.I. Joe He-Man crowd. But if you were kind of like making fun of that stuff, you might be able to draw some more people just with that comedic value. But that was absent to me. Yeah, I think um, the other thing that, I mean, I think it's a bold choice of what they decided to do in making the um, in making the villain the main character. So you know that kind of made me question. Well, that's you know that's not um, it's, it's 
for a superhero story, for, for a He-Man story, for a, a Thundercat story, it's an unusual choice to make to kind of focus the first episode, the first issue of whatever genre, uh, um, within that genre to, to focus on the villain. What, why do you think they, why do you think they did that? Maybe there's, I don't know, maybe it's, there's just like a part of that culture where they always want to know more about the villain or the villains, I don't know, a bit, bit exciting and they wanted to explore that side of things. I didn't even notice that until you had mentioned it. Pat. Yeah. Well, th- this is the thing kind of like the, the villains for the most part have got really cool character designs. And when we are introduced to the here, kind of the Lords of the Cosmos, they've kind of got blander character designs um yeah kind of they kind of look like mm. the, the main hero who i can't remember what his his name is at the, off the top of my head he looks like um brad pitt's character from the 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 film troy it's kind of very kind of um kind of gr- uh greek style um armor that he's he's wearing and it's kind of like bland it's not it's not interest that interesting to look at look at compared to um compared to the villain so maybe that that's something to do with it i think maybe john's got a point there i noticed off the bat that we were starting with the villains because in like that he-man gi joe thundercats type of world everyone you know everyone loved the villains um so i think maybe they were trying to like play off that a bit and just get these villains started but it took far too long in my opinion for me to re or to for the book to get to the heroes it's not till the end of issue three right that we meet um the main i guess protagonist yes yeah so that was a bit slow for me i thought the pacing was a bit weird i mean probably largely due to the eight page roll call but i'm not really sure it doesn't um it doesn't get much better in the other issues <laughs> i think pacing is is like a major it may, for me it was a major issue i don't know what you what, what you felt about the the pacing john yeah i i really struggled um after that first bit and i've I mean, all of the pacing I struggled with because I found it hard to, again, invest emotionally in any of the characters. I, I didn't see a huge amount of exploration in terms of who they were, what their intent was, or or why I should be caring what they do. It was just um, bad guy A obliterates a village. Bad guy B napalms a village. Bad guy C does this. And it, it all seemed to kind of... There, there weren't any peaks and troughs, so I didn't find any highs and lows. It was just kind of a steady march throughout the story that is you know that is um very true because it is kind of like the first issue it just felt like well let's show what these um let's just show how evil and despicable these these villains are and um kind of let's show off the the powers that these um various characters have got so like you know there's one character's basically um uh, an an evil Lynn clone, and she's like smashing people in the face with her um, bow staff. And then there's uh, kind of like this evil-looking unicorn thing that's you know shoots uh, laser beams out of its horn. And then, yeah, but 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 you're right. It's kind of that like they are just kind of like committing genocide on these um, various people. But there's no kind of like. Well, yeah, that 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 looks badass, but I don't, you know, I've I've got no emotional connection to the characters that are that are dying. Yeah, and there's not a lot 
um, in my opinion. So you don't care about the innocent people they're killing because you don't know about the world. And then I didn't really care about the villains because there was not a lot of depth to their character besides the fact that they were blowing up innocent people. So obviously I'm not supposed to be rooting for them. But um, I also wanted, I would like to have seen some like, maybe someone's a traitor. I think they hinted at that with the unicorn guy, but then it never really happened. Like someone called him a traitor and then nothing ever came of it. But I was like, there's your one angle. That's kind of explained, I think, in issue two or issue three. That's the other thing that they, I think it was, for me, this is a very strange choice to have made. Um, is that the all three issues have got, I think, um, maybe 10 pages of the main plot. And then they do like five, five to six page mini stories about kind of the, the villains origin stories. Um, and that for me was kind of like, I, I, I get maybe what they were trying to do in terms of like, when you used to buy the, the He-Man toys, um, you you would get like a mini comic explaining the origin of that character, so maybe that's what they was trying to do. But in terms of progressing um, the story, you know, the plot along, I, I I didn't find it particularly useful. What, what did you guys think of that? I found it really difficult because not only were we in this very complicated world that I'm new to, and it's got all these wild names and new characters that I'm trying to remember. Um, I then get these breakaway stories, which are now done in a different art style because they were all done by different artists. Yeah. So then I was really finding it difficult to draw connections um, w- within the world. Um, you know, maybe if it had been a world that I was already familiar with or was less fantastical, having stories done in different art styles wouldn't have threw me as much. Um, but I, I was really getting lost when those when those came in. I think that's a really interesting point that you make kind of when you're writing a story, you don't just need to know um, who the characters are, but you need to need to know how they relate to each and every single other character, kind of like what character A thinks of character B, what Mm. character C thinks of character B and A and, you know, that sort of thing. And that, you know, that was a little bit um, difficult, difficult to follow. Um, I'd wish they'd, um, you know, in the free kind of free issues, if they'd taken the main plot and just put that into one comic, I think that would have worked far better. Maybe there's kind of um, a workflow issue or s- something like that, where which kind of prevents them, prevented them fr- from doing that. And that's why they've kind of um, chosen to put these mini stories in there. I don't know, but yeah, it, it, it was... It was, it was difficult to um, follow. So, so, so me and Carl, we reviewed um, Monstrous and we both, that's that's a world rich in lore. It's a rich in lore story and kind of, Carl, if you remember, you were saying kind of like, you felt kind of like after reading the first um, trade paperback, you kind of like, well, that was like a lot to get through, but you managed to kind of like get through it because the characters were compelling. Yep. That's exactly, that's, I was thinking about that the whole time I was reading this because it's like, it's like the mirror universe monstrous where you have, you still have a crazy expansive world, but you don't have those deep and compelling characters to guide you through it. And instead of, and also monstrous, uh, the world building was paced out every issue. You were learning new bits about different places in monstrous. That and in not, this, yeah, exactly. In this, we got the eight page roll call. So, but on to the, one more thing about the short stories, I was, I'm, 
I'm conflicted because um, I kind of agree with you guys, but also I was satisfied by the short stories because uh, there was plot movement and there was an ending. Okay. And yeah. yeah I, mean, I didn't see anything. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing really happened. Uh, I didn't read the final issue, but nothing really was a comp. Maybe one or two things were accomplished in the first three issues. So when I read those short stories, I was like, man, stuff started and ended. That's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think, um, so we reviewed, uh, what was the name of the, um, of the, the two comics we reviewed, uh, last time it was, um, Leap M and Mythpocalypse. Mythpocalypse. So Mythpocalypse did a really good job of having two short stories set in the same world. And, you know, each story had like a beginning, middle and end. So I could, like for me, I, I, I enjoyed the, the mini stories a little bit more than kind of like the main, main plot because like the main plot, um, for me, it was just like, well, it was meandering, but you know, I agree with you kind of like the, the mini stories, there were a kind of beginning, middle and end, and you got a little bit more insight into what the characters were about, but, um, yeah, just kind of, and I think that they, they did that to kind of like give us a better understanding of who the, who these, um, um, uh, characters are, but the, the, there must've been a better way to do it kind of like in, in, um, in uh, Monstrous, they just had like, a one-page like poster or pamphlet from the cats explaining kind of the lore of the world. I think that would have been might have been a smarter smarter way to go than kind of having these five or six-page mini comics interrupting mm-hmm. the flow of the story. I think I agree. Besides some of the, I think you found some pretty good art back there in the in the after stories, but other times. It was a little wonky, so, but also they, they kind of got they got the general feeling of the art consistent. I, I'm hesitant to say that because it is quite different in some spots, but I think, I think they kind of flow together a bit. All the artists. Yeah, uh, John, you were kind of like mentioning about kind of you you found some inconsistencies with like the the line work in terms of um where the characters related to each other in um space and time were you able to find any examples oh not specific um page examples but i was just looking at some little notes and i jotted down i mean there was just a lot of um i don't know things that i I found kind of distracting about the world um in terms of how they're drawing so it was also about character interaction with the ground plane and what it looked to me was that an artist was using um basically reference material too closely so they were working a lot from stock imagery. And okay. because of that, they weren't drawing and creating their characters in an environment. So like things like feet weren't really setting on a ground plane or shadows weren't consistent throughout a world. So for oh, example, okay. they would have like really dark, intense shadows on them. There'd be no shadows on the ground. And I'm like, well, I can't see this character fitting in, in working in this world now. Um, there were other things too, like with the clean line work, um, I felt they weren't able to do a lot of background. Um, so there would be huge amounts of dead space in a lot of the panels. Yeah. Um, and again, this is on the, the main plot line. The, the artists were uh, Lennox and Mara. And, but when, it, when I was looking at Newbold's work, it was, that wasn't such an issue because that line work was a bit more free. Um, and it, it seemed like that, that artist was, was drawing and creating the characters in context. Um, so I don't, maybe that's just me being nitpicky as an artist. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, I mean, it's, it's good because that's not something neither myself or Cole, I think, probably would have picked on, picked up on 
I don't think I would have. No. Yeah, there were a lot of a lot of shots that just I don't know. It, it screamed like someone working way too close from stock imagery. Like I swear yeah. to God, I've seen that face screaming before somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like the ground plane thing. You mean kind of like they didn't feel like they actually had weight? Like they were. I've seen that a lot in comics where they're just kind of hovering above the ground. Is that yes. what you mean? Kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's a very common problem. I did see that here, but I really hadn't written it down or anything. Yeah, I think um, I was watching a YouTube video and then it was a about this comic book artist, and he was saying like, you know, comic book artists shouldn't use um, stock photos; they should use stock videos because that gives you kind of like a better idea of how actually people walk along and the movement and flow of. Um, uh, a character kind of like moving in space okay. and now now you mention it, i can kind of see see that in kind of J jason's um artwork in terms of yeah it does look like um he's copying from a not copying but he's, he's using kind of like um a model a little bit too too closely but yeah. yeah i mean when i when i use reference material what i try to do is i try to sketch out the world first and then use it to help me just polish things um so i've already you know put the characters in the space and began to, to work out all those um issues just about how things relate physically or i try to do my my own stock imagery like a lot of times i find hands really hard so if when i'm working on a comic if anyone were to look at my phone they'd think i was crazy because i have like a thousand photos of my own hands on my phone um but when you're taking your own stock imagery, it's, I think you can make it a bit more, I don't know, translate it a bit better into the, into the final output of the artwork. Yeah. Yeah. So we haven't actually talked about the plot of the story yet. So it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> okay. So it's about this, this bad guy called, uh, Umek, uh, Umek, sorry. And he's, um, this kind of evil skeletal type character and he he comes back into this this world and he assembles um his crew of uh evil minions and the first three issues are kind of them kind of reaping their horrible vengeance on the the world that's um sealed sealed them away and um the heroes haven't heeded the call yet to come and fight them so each issue is about um what 40 pages long and yeah the first story is like 21 21 page well i'm just talking about the issues in general yeah just yeah. Uh, uh, excluding the um the well including everything so issue one i think is uh 44 pages 52 pages and 47 pages altogether and it's only towards the end of um issue three where we're introduced to kind of like the legendary lords of cosmos and they've they basically refused the um re refused the call to call to action so after so the refusal of the call to action is basically something that should kind of like happen in the first issue <laughs> for me i kind of just like that the pacing for the story is just kind of like all 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 off there. Well, yeah, I mean, by the time we get to the third issue, the bad guys have already blown up the whatever the super machine is that they have in this world. They've committed like a dozen genocides. It's like, well, one of these good guys going to start getting their butts in here. 
<laughs> like yeah the bad guy's already done all the damage they can do already <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's kind of yeah you're, you're exactly right i don't know uh what you think about that cole in terms of like it's hard to root for a, a hero that's standing by while millions of people are, are are dying yeah it's very odd and actually the only the only time we have seen the hero is just a shot of him standing uh so yeah i thought it was far too late um he, yeah john's right the, the bad guys won this already i think so now it's kind of like a reversal where the heroes are going to be fighting uphill against the back like i'm not even sure how it's going to continue but i thought it came far too late i wasn't even sure we were going to get heroes it's like at some point i was like all right this is a villain story i accept it but yeah, apparently it's not. Too. yeah yeah it, it was very odd uh i think that just is a, another pacing issue um these are very decompressed like because you get eight page roll call and like five pages of various genocides uh i think they're kind of i think they're just kind of they fill up too much space with too little too little really substance yeah i think the only reason i the only thing that i've got in my mind is that maybe the twist is is that the the machine that kind of runs the world to the run the world is run all the um, greenery is run through this machine and the only thing that I can think is maybe the machine is somehow uh, a force for evil and like Umex turns out to be the good guy in the end but he's killed an awful lot of people for that, for that to be the case and he kind of behaves like um, a typical horrible skeletal type dick you know he's kind of berates his minions threatens to, to kill them and all that sort of thing so yeah yeah there's not a I mean, that is an interesting idea for a twist, but I don't know if he can be redeemed uh, at all. Even if uh, he were to become the good guy, he he killed so many people yeah, just these first three issues. I mean, I'll tell you what, there there is um, one of the many stories I really did like, which was um, The Scream, where it's about this um, kind of decapitated head. And for me, if that was kind of just like a horror story, that kind of reminded me of um, oh, what's the the one with Pinhead? Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah. It reminded me of like a Hellraiser story. If if that was just kind of like a one off mini horror comic, I'd be really satisfied with that. Um, but it kind of it fitting into this universe kind of I don't know, man. I don't know what they would what they were t- t- aiming to do. I think everything comics. Yeah. They had like sci-fi elements of fantasy elements. It's just kind of like a jam packed world, which I think the one thing we're not saying is for the people that do like this, I think I can see why, because it is jam packed with like action of all kinds and various elements from many genres. So like, I kind of see why people that are into this niche genre are into it, but it just isn't for me, honestly. Yeah, I I struggled to 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 finish this. Um, I think John, you you felt kind of like the same way. Yeah, definitely. Well. It, was, it was a bit of a slog for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I I I genuinely like for me, this is more about the the, the execution rather than kind of the, the ideas themselves. Kind of, if they tighten up that first issue, if they'd kind of cut down, I, we don't need like eight pages of of like introduction. If they if they tighten that down if we had more kind of um 
character development about the, the people that actually inhabit the world kind of what like we get introduced to king at the start of the story i have no idea if this guy's a good king how he interacts with his subjects all that sort of thing i now, forgot we, he existed yeah, yeah I was gonna exactly. say, did we get anything else about him after that introduction um i don't, no, think, I don't so. think we did i think he just disappeared after that yeah it's it's one panel it's one panel yeah, so I think the the only I think they they introduced an interesting um, concept, kind of like that the king um, is in charge of one thing, but the queen is in charge of the other. And when I read that, I thought, or oh, maybe it's going to be a bit of a, a Game of Thrones situation going on here in terms of you know um, the courtiers kind of having um, split loyalties. But yeah, no, none of that. It's kind of you know forget about that character that we've introduced kind of in the first two pages. We're just going to spend our time. We're, we're with these characters now as well so for me is the execution that was the problem i i really enjoyed kind of spending time in the world i enjoyed the, the character designs I, I felt the artwork for the most part worked really well but just yeah the execution yeah i would agree i mean there were things to be enjoyed uh i thought the artwork overall was enjoyable um the character designs were interesting to look at um but basically most of the words were just uh they lost me so yeah yeah any any other comments john no i mean that that i think yeah sums up yeah what i thought about it <laughs> yeah, yeah um so I, I mean there is one criticism of the artwork that i would make and that is the covers i think kind of like the colored covers that they've got that for me are they're not that great they're kind of like bland um apart from the the variant covers which i think were done by by the the guys that do the short stories i thought those were good but like kind of the main issue kind of covers i didn't think were were that great but yeah yeah they for me great, this i would give one one compliment to the covers though is it drives me crazy when I see a comic book cover and it's got this like incredible, like beautiful artwork. And then you open it up and the comic book is a completely different style and doesn't yeah. match the cover. Like I understand it's going to be, you know, less intricate and less developed because you're doing yeah. many panels. But if it doesn't match that, that just irritates me so much. And with this, um, I thought the covers did match the artwork and I was happy to see that. Yeah. I just, I felt kind of, if the covers had been in black and white, I felt it would have worked okay. a little bit, but I don't know who, whoever did the coloring did a, a fantastic job for me, especially for kind of like, um, for, for, for issue one where, no, sorry, issue two, where they've got the, the lady on the front, kind of the, the, the first main cover. Um, for me that, yeah, that the coloring wasn't, wasn't strong. would have fit off. I felt it would have worked better if it had been in, in black and white, but maybe that's something they need to do for kind of catching people's attentions on, um, comicsology. Yeah, marketing-wise, it's definitely smarter to have a colored cover, I think. But I'm, I agree with John. My One of my biggest pet peeves is when the cover is not the interior artist. Um, and I know that almost every comic book does that, but it's awesome when they're the same artist. And this, uh, at least it was the same line work, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. Same line work. Yeah, so you got to see a little taste of the art before you opened it up. Yeah, so I think that's kind of all we've got to lay, say about kind of Lords of Cosmos really um for me this is kind of a really disappointed skip I, I, I couldn't you know unless you're a particular fan of like he-man and heavy metal and would like those two 
things to have a weird baby, then for me, this I'd I'd struggle to to recommend this one. Uh, same. I can't think of anyone I know that I would recommend it to. If I had like a friend who was big on this eighties nineties genre of of TV and stuff, maybe him. But uh, yeah, I I don't see a lot of people loving this that I know. John. Yeah, same same for me. Um, definitely not my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it's and it's not really the sort of thing we've typically reviewed um, on the podcast either. So maybe it's just something outside our genre. It's had three successful Kickstarter campaigns, which not for nothing. That's not an easy thing to do. So obviously there is an audience for this, but it's just it's just not us really. Um, John, it's been really good um talking to you um can you tell people where they can find you like on social media and where they can follow you and things like that yeah so on social media i'm I'm most active on instagram so that's at j-o-n-s-c-h-w-o um and my website would be www.j-o-n-s-c-h-w-o-c-h-e-r-t.com um, so if you want to check out any comics or stuff I'm putting up at the moment, uh, yeah, please, please do follow. Cool. Um, Cole, any, any closing comments? Uh, I think I've said all I need to say about it. Yeah. It was a fun episode. More fun. It was than a fun the, episode. It's, it's um, a first time doing a free man, free man booth and kind of is really interesting getting John's um, take on that. The detail of the artwork i think both you and i missed so that is like you know thank you a lot for that because it's kind of it's not something that um i would have picked up on oh, initially. yeah thank you john that was nice to have someone who knows what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i think our next episode we're going to be covering the willows um let me bring it up it's by who's it by who's the, who are the willows by uh it's sam ford i don't have my trade with me um so this is you know if we were professionals would be yeah if we were professionals it'd be a lot easier uh nathan carson and sam ford published by floating world comics yeah and it's uh algernon blackwoods the willows and it's um it's a horror comic really so yeah um john once again thank you very much for, for coming on and uh, being part of this, uh, we should try and do this again, maybe with a, a comic of your choice. <laughs> All right, yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, let me know when. Okay, that's great, man. Thank you very much. See you guys. Awesome, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.